I learned a lot about gardening from my grandmother. I remember playing with the flowers and, and being in the backyard. And also when I got older, I remember weeding the flowers. So I knew pretty much what I was getting into when I uh, planted this yard. You know, I don't know how anybody could be a gardener and not and be an atheist because you cannot believe how small those seeds are. There is 10 feet tall sunflowers in my backyard that were no bigger than the end of a fingernail when I planted them. Is that not a miracle? I have, you know how small a tomato seed is? We have a sin nature that Jesus redeemed, but we have a behavior that we need to pluck out of our own life, like the weeds. I worship out here. I give God glory. I thank Him every day for this amazing place that I get to call home and that I can enjoy with other people and bring them here and let them rest. I have people at the church that have had hard times and I bring them here. and give them something to eat, and we just enjoy the garden. So it's my way of giving back. church. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, if you guys don't know me, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Kessid. You were, if, if you haven't ever met Sandy Dykes on the video, uh, you're missing out. Sandy Dykes is one of the most um, amazing, passionate uh, people that I've ever met in my entire life. Sandy Dykes has this thing about her that you would meet her and she's so unassuming. So just kind of, you would, you would not see all that's be behind the scenes and, and inside of her if you were to just meet her quickly on a Sunday. And, and I've been blessed over the last, I think, six years now to get to know her and her story. And personally, I mean, flowers from her garden were cut for my wedding. Things like just the blessing. And that's Sandy. That's just her. From My mom has been um, gone to the garden and just been with Sandy. And so... Um, just a beautiful person, just a beautiful story. We're going to get back uh, a little bit into her story a little bit later in the message, but I just want to start by saying we are, uh, if you get a chance, I think she's roaming around here somewhere, just, just grab her and give her a hug because she gives like the real hugs, you know, not like those fake, you know, I want to end this hug hugs, but like the real hugs, like you just feel loved when you're done with it. So she gives those. So I'd love if we gave her about 200 of those today, and she'll have to put them under hand sanitizer on when she's done, because she always likes doing that, because so, she's a nurse. So anyway, um, guys, we're in a series that we're calling Visible, and the idea is this. Sandy and ideas um, like Sandy and, and love and grace, all these 
invisible things we want to make visible. Stories such as this we want to make visible in our community. And then the other thing that we're doing through this series is we want to take maybe some lies that we believe that are invisible, that are actually uh, wreaking havoc on our life, and we want to make them visible. We want to bring them out into the open to invite God into that space, to have him be Lord over them, the ideas, the beliefs, the fears, all that we have. And so we've been doing that in this series. It's been wonderful, and we're going to continue with that uh, today. We're going to do so by diving into one of my very favorite stories in the Bible. It's actually just the beginning of a story, but it's super uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, uh, We launched our fifth Rooted session this last week. And if you don't know what Rooted is, um, yeah, we can clap for that. Uh, We do a 10-week discipleship experience called Rooted that is different. I can just tell you it's different than any Bible study or group that you've ever been a part of before. It's been amazing for our church. In just over a year, we've taken over 350 people through Rooted, which is really exciting. Um, And so if you can never be a part of it, we just launched this last Sunday, uh, we did our very first gathering there, and we're calling this gathering the Pillar Gathering, and there's a reason behind that. And the story is in um, Jeremiah chapter 1, and this is one of my very favorite stories in the entire Bible. When we started Kessid, and uh, we started a youth group at Kessid, and we rented a room at the Furstenberg Center, and I could show up, and I could bring one little Caesar's pizza for the whole youth group, right? The whole youth group. And we shared the pizza, and we just had a whiteboard, and we just talked about Jesus. The group in that room decided to call that youth group Pillar, and I want to tell you the story why, right here. So Jeremiah chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 4. This is Jeremiah speaking, okay? says this, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So, a lot of times it's all, it's very churchy. We have to zoom in on this story. We have a normal person, just like you, just like me. Normal human being here. We read the Bible, and this is the prophet Jeremiah, right? But this is before he's prophet Jeremiah. This is coming in as normal person, as God does to all of us in our own way, and says, I have a calling on your life. And this is what God says. Guess what? I created you. And I consecrated you, which means I created you for a purpose. Your skill sets, your passions, your desires, all those, guess what? I put them in there. I did it, right? And now I'm calling you out. Here's what I want you to do. I have a message for you to bring to, to the community around you. And I'm not going to say it. So this is our problem here. Most of us would love the message that just says, all I need to go say is Jesus loves you, right? We love that message. We go and we look people in the eyes, and which is true. Jesus absolutely loves you. That's not the message that Jeremiah is given here, though. Not his message. It's a different message. It's a, it's a comeback home message. And it's a, you've left home, you've left me. God wants to say, you need to turn from your ways. Go tell the people this. And Jeremiah's like, are you... N- I don't want to do that. Like, would you want to do that? Like, look at the culture that we live in today. Much of our culture, if you looked at it like a river, the stream, the current is running in a different direction than Christian worldview, correct? For most of us, that's a really hard thing. If you were to go, if God came to you and locked eyes to you and said, guess what? Um, I know they kind of already know they're different, but I want you to go tell them. 
right? Like your workplace right now, Monday morning, go tell them. And you're like, and this is what, as this is his response, Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I did not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Translated, you've got the wrong guy. I know you want me to go say that to them over there, but you've got the wrong guy. I, and his reason, this is why we call our youth ministry this, his reason is I'm too young. Sorry, I can't do it. And this is the beautiful one. God doesn't look at age. He says, I called you, Abraham. I called you, Jeremiah. I put this in here, and this is the Lord's response. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. God then goes on a chapter and a half tirade, right? I would say a tirade, explaining exactly in very general uh, terms what he's going to do and what he's going to build Jeremiah into. And he says this word, and this is why we call our youth group pillar. He said, I'm going to build you into an iron pillar. Now, that might not seem a lot to us right now. In those days, that was the strongest structure possible. So we start with this young man, probably a teenager, and God says, I want you to go speak for me. He says, I can't, I'm too young. And by the end of chapter two, he's saying, you're going to be the strongest thing imaginable. Why? Because I'm with you. Not because you have the skill set or you went to school for any of those things, but the reason is, and this is what we want to focus in on today, the reason is, for I am with you to deliver you. I'm going to make you the strongest thing possible if you'll walk with me and if you'll trust me. We're going to trust in that today, and I want to talk about this concept. Now remember, we've got a very young man who God comes to and says, I want you to go. Now this going isn't just a metaphor. It's like, go. Don't sleep in your own bed anymore. Go. Don't have mom's cooking anymore. It's go. Leave the place that you know that is super secure for you, right? And go. Leave home and go. And here's why. Because you're also taking home with you. See, I am home for you. Though we define home as the walls that we live in, there's a more secure idea of home. See, home is just a metaphor. I did this last week, and I have lived in 23 different homes in my life. I'm 34 years old, and that's not even including um, all of the countless hotels I've stayed in, sleepovers as a kid, camping trips, etc. That's not even the places I've just rested my head. That's physical places that I've lived in, 23 different places. I wonder how many that you have lived in. Today, I want to talk to you about this idea of home. We all have a deep hunger for home, and, and to start with, we need to define what that home is us is a place of secure love known most fully in the embrace of God. As God is sending Jeremiah out, he said, I, at one point he says, gird up your loins, which we don't say anymore, which is basically get dressed for work. Right? Get dressed for work. I'm sending you out, but before you go, this is the lunch pail I'm going to pack you with. I'm with you. You have the most secure love possible that travels with you. So many of us are insecure in our lives because there are moments, there are circumstances that come along and they rob this security. They rob this truth from us. There's no, we'll start with this, okay? There's no greater truth. There's no truer thing about you than the fact that you are loved by God. 
Let me say it again. There is no truer thing about you than the fact that you are radically loved by your, your creator. Circumstances want to come in continually over the course of our entire lives, and they come like waves, and they try to take this truth from us. And when this truth gets taken from us, we go searching for it because we have something inside of us that says we need that. We want it. We all want home. Most, let's just be honest. Most of you just want to be in bed right now. Like this moment, like, yeah, here, bed. That's home to me. That feeling of warm blankets, there's different, everyone has different feelings for what home is, right? But let's talk about this idea of secure love. We all want that. We all desire it. When I was like 20 years old, like most 20-year-olds, uh, the way that you would find a home is you would say, how many 20-year-olds can, can we pack into this place and we all pay like $7 rent, right? That's what we did. So we had seven of us living in a home together. Uh, and time came to move out of this home and a bunch of us went our separate ways. And we did the really wise thing like everyone does, which is wait till the last second to move out, right? So we had already moved out most of our stuff. And to be honest, we made it to the last second to clean, which is the worst thing ever, right? And so the very last day, we were back there uh, well past midnight cleaning this house, trying to get out of this house because we procrastinated like most 20-year-olds do. One of my roommates at the time had a, a cat, not really a cat person, okay? Don't really like cats. He had a cat, and, as soon as, and he had moved out like four days earlier, and as soon as he moved out, this cat went missing. Cat went missing, so for the last four days, this little, and pets are little family members, even cats, all right? This, this cat was missing, and my, my friend was really downtrodden, and we were trying to cheer him up and everything, and uh, we're there well past midnight, and you can, if you can just picture it, it's a big driveway, kind of a wraparound driveway, and we're there. All of us are in the driveway, and we're loading the last bit of everything into the U-Haul, getting out of the house. Um, and all of a sudden, we look over, and this little kind of figure is walking up the driveway. And we just see those two yellow eyes kind of walking up. At first, we're, at first, you're like, what is that? Right? Because I don't know whose yellow eyes those are. And then all of a sudden, the mangiest cat that looks like it just went through a garbage disposal came walking up. And it's just like, meow, just looking. Right? And what happened? This cat was home four days ago. And it got taken to a new home, but it didn't know that. And so it left looking for home. Luckily, its owner was there. And even though we, did, we went on, at the time we had MapQuest, 11 miles, right? 11 miles in four days, this cat somehow said, I have to get home, right? And then it got picked up and brought to its new home again. And luckily, it never left again, Right? Because it experienced, like, I don't like that experience, right? Some of us actually need that experience in life, right? The story of the prodigal son is looking around at your circumstances and saying, as, as much as this is home, this isn't enough for me. I need some home that's out there, and so I need to go. And the story is that he goes, and he's restless, and he, he takes his inheritance early, and he spends all of it, and he ends in a, in a place as a pig farmer. He ends in a place so hungry, so desperate, that he's looking at the slop, the food that he's feeding to his pigs. And he says, that looks pretty good. And the Bible says this. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Bible says this thing. It says that he came to himself. That he lost himself. He lost home. He lost home. And something in me, him said, 
I got to get home. And one of the most beautiful pictures that you ever see in the Bible is of him running home and this father coming out to embrace him. So this is the story of us. We all want home. We desire it. Deep down, something within us seems to remember the garden that we once, that within which we once existed. Part of us longs to return. We know that this is where we belong. As Christians, we start. This longing for home starts with the assumption that humans were designed for some beautiful place of wholeness where we walk and talk with one another and with God in perfect shalom. This is our natural habitat. First chapters of the Bible are our natural habitat. We were created to walk in perfect relationship with a God offering steadfast love, and we walk in and out of every single day, every step we make is in that secure place. But we live here, and we long for that, but we live here. And so we live in this place that's between that. But though we long for it, we search it out, and then we have these beautiful moments in life that we find it. We find it in relationship with spouse or friends or kids, family members. And we also know the places that it's been lost. Some of us in this room right now are homesick. And it's not because you don't have a physical home to live in. It's because you're missing that feeling of secure love. What we want to do is talk about it today. We want to actually bring that out in the open. For some, home is a place of sanctuary and comfort. When I talk about the idea of home, and, and for others, it is a place to yearn for such things. For others, when we think of home, we think of the home that we've lost. The story of our lives is one of losing and rediscovering the safety and security of home. If you've ever been the kid to go to the new school, if you've ever been the one to be able to walk in somewhere and you knew everyone and it was just safe, you never had to look at the, think about the entrance. Maybe you come to a new church and you're like that. You walk in, maybe you were at somewhere before and it's very easy to walk in, you know people, and then you, you become the person that doesn't have home and you know it's missing. You have something inside you that says something's missing here. By the, by the grace of God, we pray that if that's missing from you, even on Sunday mornings here, that this becomes a place that's safe for you. But it only happens through relationship, right? It only happens from us risking. The story of our lives is one of losing and rediscovering the safety and security of home. Why is this? This is because human life transpires at the intersection of two forces pulling us in opposite directions. Two forces. One force is drawing us to shalom, to a deep abiding place of safety and rest. One of us just says, I just want to climb into bed. Can I just go there? Right? I want that place. And deeper than that, we all love bed and the warmth of that, but, but you know those spaces that I'm talking about. Right? When you have this feeling like this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in relationship with this person. I have this feeling. I have this, this security right now, this love, this acceptance that I'm feeling right now. I talked to a friend, and I started asking a few people this week, said, what's home like? And she said, home's where I can, and, uh, home's where I can go home and just be myself. I can say whatever I want, and I don't, I don't have to worry about how that's going to resonate. Right? I don't have to worry if it's going to, they're going to share with me if I said something wrong. I just feel safe to be myself. We all long for this. We have, we have a force that's drawing us into this, and there's another force that is sending us toward exploration and adventure. So one is saying, I'm home, I want to stay home. 
The other is saying there's some wonderful, beautiful things out there that I've never experienced before, and I need to go experience them. And both of these forces are drawing us and sending us at the same time. I wonder which one do you relate to most? Are you the person that's like, yeah, do you want to go out? Or we could stay home. Or we could stay home at all times, right? And then I have friends that, and I'm much more that, by the way. Uh, I'm much more that. I, uh, even though I lived in like 23 different homes, I lived in like two growing up. And so like, I like home. My parents still live in that house. Go on that road, all right? I know exactly how to get there. I can tell people directions how to get there. That's home. I like that. I like that we do, I love, we have this joke in our family about tradition. We have a lot of traditions. We have too many traditions uh, in our family, right? This is what it looks like, right? I love that idea about that. Then I have friends that have this, explorer soul, this wandering soul, this, this, this soul that says, I love this here, but I also I need to go explore. I need to go experience. I, I need to go over there, right? And but I wonder which one you relate to. These two forces, they're both beautiful and like everything else in our world, as Sandy said in the video, they can be distorted. They can be bent. The person that loves being home can then rob themselves of new experiences because of fear. And they stay home and they, they draw a circle around their lives and they say, my life will be this big now because I don't, I, I don't ever risk and have enough courage or strength to invite these new experiences in. And also, the person sent out for exploration and adventure is so addicted to those feelings that they never have any deep roots of re real relationship. They never have any deep roots of real abiding, steadfast love. That's what kessed means, this idea of steadfast love. And so I'm always, this is, this is the definition, right? I'm just always going for the next thing and the next thing and the next feeling and the next feeling. What's crazy is addiction goes on both ends of this. What's the other side? Addiction is just this idea, this simple idea of I just want comfort. Give me comfort at all times. I'm going to avoid all responsibility that I have for myself and to the rest of this world. I just want a good feeling. Both of these beautiful ideas can be distorted. The idea that we are being drawn at all times. Jesus says in John 15 to make our home in him. John 6, said, it is God who draws us to salvation. This God is always, always saying, come here. I want to be with you. And not only do I just want to be in proximity with you, but I want to have the most secure, loving relationship that I can possibly have. And Christian, let me tell you, that's a journey that never ends. You may have raised your hand one time and said amen and hallelujah to salvation and to starting this relationship, but we know because of our human relationships that real relationships never end. They continue to grow and they can be strengthened or they can be weakened. In Christ, we find secure love. Now, this idea is what God does sending from. Right? Remember our story in Jeremiah. I have a plan for you. I see things in you that you don't see in you. I see them, and I want to send you. But before you go, I need you to pack this away, my secure love. My sister works for um, a place that does adoption work, beautiful work all over the world. And there's a strategy that they use. When, it, when a child is adopted, and you think of the story that they've gone through, for whatever circumstance brought them to a place to not have... 
uh, and be with their parents uh, and their family and have to be uh, in a place that um, as much as um, work is done, it's not home. You know that. You know that feeling when you've been, it, some of us have been on vacation for like 10 days and you're just like, this is not home, I need to be home, right? And so you can imagine if that's the only world that you ever know, all right? How distorting, how that can distort reality, how that you can distort your, your perception of love and relationship and, and attachment and connection. And so what, what they encourage people to do, most people, when they, um, they adopt is this idea of cocooning. Now, if you were to adopt, most people want to, what they want to do is throw a giant party. Say, hallelujah, this person, a little bit like prodigal son, hallelujah, we're going to throw this party. We're going to introduce you to everyone we can. We want you to experience everything. Oh my gosh, this is our world. And what they actually tell us is actually, no, we want to do the opposite of that. We got to make their world really small. That before they, they break into this really big uh, world, we need to make sure that they have secure love because they don't know that. There needs to be, we need to stop and we, we're not going to do anything else until they know that you're not going anywhere. A, a child that's been adopted doesn't have that. They don't have any anchor of this person staying in my life, staying in my life forever. So until that is instilled, they say we're not doing anything else. That is the most important trait for all of us, right? For all of us to know that we are anchored to, to a God that loves us in this amazing sacrificial way. And then we all want to have that in our relationships as well. And when we're missing that, you know it. When that is lost in a marriage and trust is lost in a marriage, you know it. it's not right. Something in you, there's a beacon that's calling for it. In our innermost heart, at the farthest reach of our remembering, there is peace. The secret place of the Most High is there. Eden is there. The still waters, the green pastures, home is there. I think our best dreams are always trying to move in that direction, homeward. We've all seen enough of home to keep us questing for more, but hardly enough to believe that we have truly experienced this, so this sends us out for more. We would love to stay home. When I was a brand new believer uh, at 21 years old, I took a job as a janitor, uh, at the church and quit my well-paying job and made a teeny bit of money at the church because it felt like home. I'd never experienced the people like that, the, the, um, the family like that, the fellowship like that, and I just wanted to be there forever, and I was willing to give up anything for it, and so I, I was the guy cleaning the toilets, right, and setting up for that. There, every single time that you come to church, there's someone that comes and prepares a little place of home for you. That's what we want at church, right? We want to be able to show up here and feel that. We want to feel secure and safe. We desire to feel that way. And there, are, there is an army of people that prepares that here at Kessid as well. We'd love to stay in that safe place, but that's not where we would live our whole lives. And so there's this, this journeying out, this adventuring out that we have to go do. But the hard thing to discern is how much adventuring do I do, especially when you're a parent? Like, how much do I allow my kid to experience? How much do I allow them to go and do? Danny talked about this a little bit last week. This is, this is a really hard tension that we live in. Recently, we were cleaning out the garage at my house. Uh, my wife and I and my son, and well, really, my wife and I and my son wasn't helping a lot. Like, he's seven. And these neighborhood kids that are always riding by on their bikes came by, and my son has never met a person that's not his friend. 
especially kids. He doesn't have to know their names. He just, he asks questions like, can I go play with my friends? And I'm like, oh, who's that? He's like, I don't know. That's my friend. And so I'm like, okay. And he gets his bike out and one of the tires is flat and we're cleaning the garage. I don't know where the pump is. And so one of the kids says, hey, I have a pump at my house. My son's seven. We've never done this before. We've never done the you leave my presence thing like this before. It's always been with someone so that's secure that I know and trust. Little kid in my driveway, I don't know you, okay? I don't know you. And so I'm in this wrestle, like, do I let him go? This is the first time. And, and so this, you can start to see the picture of secure love. In my presence, he's in secure love. Imperfect secure love, but secure love. He's going to be safe in my presence, right? The kid says, hey, I live right around the corner. It's right there. I said, okay, you have 10 minutes, all right? <laughs> I said, you have 10 minutes. And I say this, and no, not joking to you, this little probably 9 or 10-year-old kid that's on his bike, I walk straight up to him, and with no smile on my face, I look at him, I said, you have 10 minutes. And if and that 10 minutes is up, and you're, you guys aren't back here, I'm not looking for him, I'm looking for you. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and he just starts paddling down the road. Eight minutes later, my son's back, right? Awesome. But here's the thing. Eight minutes later, my son comes back, and he's alone, and he's like, Dad, Dad. I'm like, what? He goes, have you seen the yellow car? What? Have you seen the yellow car? No, I haven't seen a yellow car. What? Dad, there's a yellow car, and it doesn't have a license plate, and that's illegal, right? (laughs) And this is when he says, he goes, and so my friends and I, we're going to find them, and we're going to kick their butts. And I'm just like, eight minutes is all it took. You're a career criminal. You're a hooligan forever. You're never leaving home again. You cannot leave my presence. You're home safe. Get in your room never again, right? <laughs> Reality is he, I can't do that. He's going to have choice the rest of his life. I have to help him in that choice. We're working on that last night, just last night. We're getting ready for bed, and we're, we're curling up, and we try to do little snuggles before bed, and he's just, we're staring at the ceiling. He's like, Dad, my friend told me that if, I, uh, if girl cooties get on me, I turn into a girl. Is that true? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, buddy, that's not true. <laughs> and he's like, I knew it. And he said, I think he just said that to get me. And we've been working on this lately because my son is very like, if you tell him it, it's the truth. He's very trusting in that. And so we've been working on, hey, buddy, when someone tells you that, even a friend, you should come talk to dad. Let's talk about that, right? Here's the thing. My son, for the rest of his life, I pray that he knows that he has secure love from me. But that love is going to change over time. Right now he's seven, and he has the bedtime that I set for him. But that will change over time. Home will change over time. In my presence and with me and in relationship to me, that will always be secure love, but that is going to change. The home for all of us changes. This is the hard part about life. We grew up in this home, and this is what home looked like. And then there's always this transition that's happening. And we can get stuck in this place. We're, all we're doing is sitting in this place that we're saying this isn't home and we're longing for the home that was. And that's a really hard place to be, and I've been in that place. But there's this God, this is the beautiful thing, that in that place wants to meet us and say, you are loved beyond measure. And not only that, but I'm to, going to build you up and pour into you to, into a place that let's go create a new home. That God makes all things new. 
So even though home looked like this house or even looked like this person, you talk about like the losing of a parent. We just talked about how parents, they're to create this secure love for us and losing a parent. Many of us end up in this place where we're very disoriented because that's how love came. And I'm not sure they were the source of this love to me. And now I'm not, am I, I have to ask some really deep, meaningful questions like, am I still loved beyond measure? For all of us in this room, we are going to walk through transitions in our life of what home is. Hopefully, we can stop and we can look around like the prodigal son didn't at first and we can realize the places that are home. I have people in my life right now that are home for me. And it doesn't matter where I meet them at. It doesn't matter what home we're in or anything else. It can be around a cup of coffee or anything else, but they just are home. They're safe. I can go be myself. I can, I can fall apart. That, for me, has been everything from friendships to counselors to books. Right? To, uh, I have this thing about me that I love. Uh, I've learned about myself that one of my shalom places is learning. I have to be reading I, I, and I'm missing something in my life and I'm not continually being stretched and continually, like, I need someone, an author at all times saying, eh, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Right? I, I need that. That's shalom for me. It doesn't have to be shalom for you. That, but books are shalom for me. We all need to seek after this place. But most of us, most of us can attest to the fact that there's been times, there have been times that we've gone looking after home that wasn't home, just like the prodigal son. And in that moment and in that space, the greatest thing that we can do is repent of that and saying, I thought it would be, but it wasn't. And I want to turn from that way. And Lord, I need you. And this is the hard part. I need you to help show me what home looks like so that I can be filled by that and then I can be sent to be home for others. The video that we saw, Sandy, she has a beautiful garden. I've been there. My mom's been there amazing space. And the, it's not just the aesthetics of it that's beautiful. It's the, the countless friendships that have been forged and strengthened in it. It's the encouragement that's been offered in that space. That she created, the, she created this space of home that others come. Most of the time, if you see Sandy out there with a, another woman that she's pouring into, it's because that woman is homesick. See, that person is needing a place of home. See, this is the calling that we have. God calls Jeremiah away from home because others are homesick. Every human being created in the image of God is needing home. They call, they, we long for this place of secure love. And so this crazy thing, these two forces pull at us where I want to experience it myself, in the, but we never get to fully rest there until heaven, until, until we call that home. Because we are both being poured into and then sent out to create this place of home for others. And I wonder where you're being sent right now. I wonder where you're being sent. I wonder if you've been wandering. I wonder if you're homesick right now. See, wandering isn't a problem. It's the direction that's important. The direction that you move in is more important than the place you begin in. See, wandering actually shows energy and aliveness. It means we're searching. We're, we're going after something new. But if that something that we're going after is not going to lead us to, to one, be more secure in the love that we have, and two, create that space for others, then that is folly. It's not what we're building the kingdom off of. 
Home cannot be just about comfort. Like I said, this is just the essence of addiction. So I wonder this, a couple questions. How has home changed for you? Have you ever stopped to wonder what home is for you? For some of us, it's Netflix, right? And we're asking Netflix to be a green pasture for us. We're asking it to be a place of rest and secure love. And it's a place of secure entertainment. It really is. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, are you asking it to be what your God, your Father in heaven, said he can only be? Right? Do you run to it in hard times? What do you run to? Do you run to food? Is there a pattern of broken relationships in your world, in your life, that maybe you've never stopped to look at? And see, I, I just see this. If I were to stop and really take inventory, I would see this just running. I would see this prodigal journey continuously and continuously. Every single one of us can never stop searching for home. It changes. Home moves. And that's why the relationship with God is so important for every single one of us. Connection with God is the beginning of sending. Of you meeting the needs of this world, this means I need to be filled up by this God. For some in this room, home is calling you back. You've lived a prodigal journey. And this doesn't have to be exactly like the prodigal son. It can be bigger as little as, as your life uh, warrants. But there's just certain areas of life that I have strayed off and I have gone on my own direction and I know it. And you need to come back home. And you need to realize that there is a father that welcomes you, that runs to meet you. Now, not all humans will do that, by the way, right? And that's why the, the relationship with our father is so important. Not all humans are going to run out and, and catch you. The best ones will. The best ones are going to see that we're all broken. We're all searching. But our father will always be home for us. And so in this room right now, there are people who need to come You've been running for God from a long time. You do the Christian thing. You show up here. But in terms of submitting your life and being a disciple of Christ and saying, I will go where you send me, Lord. That's something you've been running for, from for a long time. And that needs to end today. For others, this means turning from brokenness. This means realizing that all the beauty that is around me, I've been not looking at this, and I've been looking at the beauty that's over there, and I've been wanting that. I've been desiring that. I've been lusting after that. I put so much energy into wanting what I don't have that I don't look around and just take inventory of what I do have. I, I shared this before. Um, I just got married a few weeks ago, right? Really exciting. Like, actually, a month ago, which is really exciting. Yes, we can clap for that. I've realized that the longer it gets, the lower the clap is. If it's a week ago, everyone's like, woohoo! And a month ago, it's like, all right, cool. And then like a year, it's like, good, you're part of the club. Stop it, all right? <laughs> but this beautiful thing has happened in my home. Um, I am more in love with my physical home than I've ever been as an adult, right? This crazy thing has happened. There's like pillows where there weren't pillows before. And there's, there's, pil there's so many pillows, so many pillows. I didn't know you could have this many pillows and blankets and lamps and light and other just like alive plants. Like, like they're just alive things around and it's so cool, right? I am so aware of it right now and I'm so thankful for it. But in me, there is the propensity that six months from now and a year from now, that just becomes normal. 
That's, this is how it should be. And I'm not looking around and taking and being grateful for all those little amazing blessings. See, that's why we go searching for home when we shouldn't, because we don't see the blessings that are here in the first place. The prodigal son had to go back home to see what was already there. Some of us need to go back home. Others of us, and this is the scary thing, home is calling you away. There's something in you. There's a need to be met somewhere in this world, and this can be anything. I had sat with a dear friend this last week whose daughter is, is in the very beginning um, stages of divorce, and they have a son. And she's walking through uh, her life crumbling and betrayal and everything else. And so I'm watching, and as I'm, as, again, God always makes me live the sermon before, but I'm watching this woman, all right, this, this mother whose daughter's life is crumbling, and I'm just, who has now moved and moved in with her daughter, right? And basically said, hey, guess what? I know home doesn't exist for you right now, but I'm going to come and I'm going to be home for you right now for this season. I'm going to move in. I'm going to help. I know that you are very disoriented in this world. I watched a woman that was sent. Now, if you asked her, would you rather be somewhere else? She would absolutely say no. She would absolutely say no because that's what parents do. But there's just a part of her that says, you know what? I love to be at whatever else, watching Netflix or anything else right now, right? But there's this beautiful thing that happens when we answer the call of being sent away from what we define home as to meeting the actual need and creating home for others. It was one of the most beautiful things I saw all week long was this person who, who is such an amazing Christ follower and has spent her life learning and growing and is prepared for a moment like this that was ready for the call. There was that God came just as he came to Jeremiah and said, I've created you for this. I've sent you for this. And she said, I will go. She didn't have to say I'm too young. She said, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm so secure in God. He's going to give me the strength and the power to do this. I trust in that. And so she went. I ask those of you that are home right now that have this yearning, what will be lost if you resist the call? There are needs in our church. There are needs in our community. There are just needs in front. We need every, by the way, we need every seat filled. Can I just say that? All right, we do a wonderful job of filling this place, but everyone has a friend that needs to know Jesus more. So every single person here, in some way, there is a need to be met by just walking someone home to Jesus or walking someone into a physical home or being walking uh, alongside them when they're homesick in this place of hurt and desperation in life. But I pray that we would be people that would leave home to go make home and create home for others. Home may be calling you away from your security and your safety. And for others, home is calling you to stay. To stay steadfast, to plant roots. This is probably the story of, the story of Kesed right now. We're eight, oh, just about to be eight years old as a church. And we're planting roots in this uh, community. All right, here at Clark, and then eventually in our home building, we're planting roots. And we want to be a continual place of home. And we just need to stay. We need to be steadfast in this love and, and have our eyes open for the needs that are around us. And we just need to say, some of you, there isn't a, a sending that needs to happen. There's just a staying with a renewed sense of vigor and energy right now. To look at your spouse in a new way. To look at your kids in a brand new way. To say, what needs need, need to be met in this moment at this time? When we find ourselves confused about where home is, we need to remember that there is no greater, greater quest in life and death than finding our home in Jesus. 
There is no greater quest. Nothing you can do. There is no pursuit. There's nothing you have to do later today or this week at work or anything else that is more important than finding your home in Jesus. And it's out of that love, out of that secure and safe place that we go and we change this world. I sit with middle schoolers and high schoolers every single week and I see this raw potential in them every single week. And what I don't ever want to do is the one that, be the one that gets in, in front of them and says, you can't do this. Because here's the thing, if God comes soon and says that he's going to do it, then he is. And they'll be fully capable, have all the energy. And this is why, by the way, God comes to young people a lot because they haven't lost this sense of, I can do anything, right? My prayer is that we would be those people, that we're willing to be sent. We're willing to let God keep us here. And we don't even know what that's going to look like. You don't know what your investment in another person's life is going to be or, in your, or just your investment in a place to call home. God is drawing us to know him and he's sending us to make him known to both live in and create new places of secure love. I wonder, where is he uh, sending you today? As we, clo- as we close, I just want to pray over us. I want to for, pray for courage. I want to pray for strength. I want to pray that this message does not fall on deaf ears, but that there is an agitation that happens, a holy one, in your hearts and in your lives, that you are... You're not content in just staying exactly where you were, even where you came in here, that we serve a God that is always on the move. The people of God very rarely get to set up really deep physical roots. He is always on the move. And the invitation, as it was for all of the disciples, is to come and follow me. Not Jesus coming to you and say, hey, I want to follow you. But he's saying, come and follow me. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. This is who I'm loving. And I want you to come with me. And I know you don't know how you're going to do it. And I know you're afraid to do it. And I know you're afraid to step out. And I know that's the unknown. And I don't know how to do that. And God is just continually saying to you, you, not them, not the person next to you, but you, you can do it because I am with you. That's where you'll get the power. That's where you get the strength. That's how this will happen. That's how we'll change the word. Because I am with you. And when we live in that When God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Migratory God, who uprooted Abraham and led him into a foreign land, Provide rest for your people, the stranger and alien, the refugee and wanderer, the one seeking sanctuary, settling in an unfamiliar place. Migratory God, who travels straight distances to become human and live among us, dwelling in us, Help us to see that we are all restless, searching and seeking, finding that place of being and belonging, to lay our heads as you who had no place, except with your people. Migratory God, who has crossed borders and boundaries to be born a stranger, fleeing from country to country, feet moving for miles over desert and dry places, into the Jordan River, where you cross from one land to the other, in the waters of baptism, where you wash off 
ties to nation and citizen so we might enter into a new kingdom and country. Migratory God, who accompanies us in our journey, remind us of where we've been, from where we've come, so we might not forget that we've all traversed great distances to find the place that our hearts seek.